Take your Bibles, turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Or willing, we will pick up where we left off last night. As you're turning, let me give you a little advertisement for tomorrow night. Tomorrow night it's my turn to give a presentation. And I don't have one exactly like the other missionaries as far as to present my ministry per se. But I would like to highlight part of what I've been involved in for quite some time. The Papua New Guinea Bible Project. This is an amazing thing. And my understanding is last year when Brother J.B. Godfrey was here, he talked to you about this project some, and I want to, Lord willing, tomorrow night, I'll bring you up to date on where we are with this project. But just to preface the video tomorrow, this is an amazing opportunity where the government of Papua New Guinea has asked us to come to their country and give a Bible to every school student in the entire nation. Now, if we were able to just go in and give each one of them a Bible, I'd be thrilled about that. <laughs> But they're giving us an opportunity to go into the school ourselves, call an assembly. We get to preach the gospel to these young people. The Bible that we hand them has already been opened and stamped with the information of the local independent Baptist church in the area. And so we tell them, now you take this Bible, it belongs to you, and take it to church with you on Sunday and take your whole family. And you know what? It's been happening. These folks are showing up at church. They're getting saved, they're getting baptized, and they're getting discipled and becoming part of the local New Testament churches that are being planted and have been planted there. And one of the great things for BIMI that we love about this, some of the key uh, national Papua New Guinea pastors that are helping us with this and that we're uh, helping their church are folks that were won to Christ some 40 and almost 50 years ago by BIMI missionaries who went to Papua New Guinea when cannibalism was still alive and well, by the way. It's an amazing thing to see what God has done. Now we have an opportunity to give out two million Bibles. Um, it's, it's been quite the adventure. Tomorrow night you'll see just a couple of clips. I got an opportunity to go to Papua New Guinea myself uh, this past June, and it was an experience. Uh, I got there, and one of the places we went was we were going to go to an island across the way, and so we were supposed to get in a skiff and go across there and pass out Bibles. The Bibles were already over there, and I thought, okay, this will be fine, and we got to the skiff and I started looking around. I started counting all the people that were going to get into this little skiff. And I thought, man, somebody didn't plan this well. Fifteen of us got in that little skiff and we couldn't move. Honestly, I was sitting there. They had slats on the bottom of the boat. So we're sitting on these slats. Just it, very uncomfortable. OK, and, and we're, I'm sitting there holding my knees because I can't stretch my legs out. Nobody else can either. Uh, the guy that I took with me from our business department, he lost his lunch over that side of the boat, and I was glad it was that side of the boat, not my side of the boat. Uh, and, and, but they said, listen, it's only going to be an hour boat ride to the other island. And I said, that'll be great. Three hours later, we got to the other side, to the island. And I'm, when you go over those swells and you come down the other side and you're sitting on those slats and you do that for three hours, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get out of the boat when we finally got there. But I did. I got out of the boat. They told us it would be a five-minute walk to the school. I said, hey, listen, I want to walk. I haven't been able to walk for a while. And so we started walking, but they stopped us, and they came and said, listen, there's a truck that's coming to pick you up, to take you to the school. Said, okay, well, that's great. And by the way, don't, don't have Chevy Silverado or F-150 in your mind here. Okay, not that kind of truck. I'm talking about an old truck that had wooden planks on the back that we sat on. And by the way, the roads over there are not like the roads here, Okay. But five minute walk, I can do this. So we get in the truck and we're riding down the road. An hour and a half later, 
we finally get to the school. And I'm thinking, you know, these young people, they're going to be gone. We got there. They were still sitting there under a tin roof. And you got to understand, it is hot. I mean, I'm just drenched. We are all drenched, not just with seawater, but with sweat. We get there. Those, it is 1,200 young people sitting under that roof waiting for us to come. We got there. We, we got to preach the gospel to them. You could have heard a pin drop in that place. When we told them that we were going to give each of them their own Bible, they broke out into applause as if they were at a football game and their team just scored a touchdown. They were so excited to have a copy of God's Word. I'm telling you, that will encourage your heart. Uh, it was an amazing trip on the way back. Uh, and you'll see this tomorrow night. The river that we had to cross, it flooded. So we're stuck and we had to switch trucks a couple of times. And so we're riding with strangers by this point. And we put the Bibles that we had back on the truck and they pulled us across the creek with a rope. Um, but we're finally going down the road and we're telling them what we're doing because they're asking about who we are and everything. And, oh, yeah, you were at our school and da, da, da. Uh, we said, you know, we were supposed to go to this next school, but now it's closed. We're not going to be able to give them Bibles. We don't know what we're going to do. And we're supposed to go back tonight. And uh, somebody in the back of the truck says, well, listen, it's okay because the principal of that school is riding in the cab of this truck. And we're going to drop him off at his school next stop. I said, well, thank you, Lord, for putting us in the right truck at the right time. So God put us in the right place. And then, yes, we did have to go back to that boat. Three hours on that same boat, on those same slats, going back, we ran out of gas twice. The first time was planned. The second one was not. I was praying really, really, really hard. And they literally, they happened to find a little container that had a little gasoline left in it from last time that they didn't even know was there. They had a little hose. They siphoned the gas out of that little container into the, it was just enough to get us back to shore. I was thanking the Lord. So, I'll tell you, it's just been an amazing trip that I had, but an amazing opportunity that God's given to us. So, Lord willing, tomorrow night, I'll show you this video. It's, it's made right after I got back last year, so some of the numbers uh, need to be updated, which I'm glad to update, because what you'll see tomorrow night, I think, will amaze you as far as what's been given out, but it's even more so now. I've been actually in correspondence with Brother Brooks today, and he, uh, he sent me a picture of a local newspaper that put a big picture and a big write-up that all the, the primary school children in their area had just gotten Bibles that day. And the press was excited about their kids getting Bibles. So praise the Lord for that. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help as we begin tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity now to look into your word. And I'm asking God for your help. And I'm asking for the filling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us. Lord, there's a lot of things in this life that right now could distract us from your word and distract us from what you want to say to us. So, Lord, would you help us to just set those cares aside for these next few moments and help us to truly focus on you and what you have to say. Lord, please do a work in each one of our hearts and lives now and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8, a year prior to writing this, Paul was with the church at Corinth. They promised to get involved in offering, but they don't make good on that promise. So, a year later, he writes back to them to tell them about the churches at Macedonia. Verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do to wit, we make known to you about the grace of God bestowed on the churches at Macedonia. Not just God's saving grace or His sustaining grace, but a very special and specific grace, the grace of giving. Verse 2, How that in a great trial of affliction, 
The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Despite the great trial affliction, despite deep poverty, they gave with joy and God rewarded them for their obedience and their giving, I believe mainly in eternity. Verse 3, how did they give? For to their power, that is sacrificially, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, that is supernaturally, they were willing of themselves, which as we emphasized last, last night, it just means they wanted to do it. They were glad to do it. And for them, again, it wasn't that they had to give, it was that they got to give. And we mentioned this is not guilt giving, this is grace giving. And we ended with that one word last night. Do you remember what it was? Attitude. Attitude. Because attitude made all the difference in the world when I gave my wife the flowers the first time because I wanted to versus the second time when I didn't want to and it was grudgingly, it was of necessity. And my wife, she would have just said, keep them. And you know what? I believe sometimes we give God an offering. I believe God just says, keep it. I don't want it because we give it grudgingly. Not the churches at Macedonia. They were so excited, picking up where we left off last night, verse four, he says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Notice he says, praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift. I don't know how all this took place, but I just imagine as Paul would go to those churches in Macedonia, probably a knee-jerk reaction for Paul as they were giving him the offering would be, listen, I, I can't accept that offering. You're, you're in deep poverty. How, how can you give an offering like this? But can you hear the churches at Macedonia with much entreaty saying to Paul, no, listen, Paul, take this offering. We are excited to give you this offering because Paul... Let us tell you about God's grace. He's bestowed it upon us in a way we've never experienced before. We, we just started by giving what we could. And yeah, Paul, it was a sacrifice. But we asked God to allow us to give more. And you know what, Paul? He, he allowed it. He did it in a special way that we can't even explain. And can you imagine how excited they were to tell Paul about what God had done and was doing in their midst? Now, notice verse 4 also tells us a little bit about this offering praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. This tells us what the offering was for. This was an offering for others, first of all. This was not an offering that was going to be staying within the churches in Macedonia. This was an offering that was going to be given away. Uh, in particular, what was it for? Well, it was to help and to support, to strengthen, to establish, to meet the needs of the church at Jerusalem. Now, if you want to take time some other time, Romans chapter 15 talks about this. But it's particularly to help and to strengthen, to establish that church there. And then also I mentioned this. It was an offering that was given to the Apostle Paul for that purpose. And the Apostle Paul was a missionary. So this is an offering that was taken up particularly to give to a missionary to help others. Who? The church at Jerusalem. To do what? To help to meet their needs, to establish the church there. Now... When we talk about the faith promise offering or we talk about grace giving, it's important for us to understand what the offering is for. I don't know about you, but hey, when I give my money to something, I want to know how it's being used. There's a lot of nonprofits today that you give your money. You're not sure how it's really getting used. And you've heard some bad reports on some of that. But when we're talking about this offering, the scripture makes it plain what it's for. It's a missions offering. And as you collect the offerings here, faith promise offerings, it is offerings that go to 
Missionaries. Why? What are they going to do with it? They're going to establish and start churches all around the world in those places that God has called them to go to. Now, this is important to understand for a couple of reasons. Number one, not just so we know where our money's going, but also number two, when we talk about giving a faith promise offering, please remember this is not God's tithe that we are giving as a missions offering. Okay? Because why? Well, the tithe is the Lord's. It already belongs to Him. So, well, let me just stop for a moment because I, I do know this. I've had people come to me and say to me, now, Brother Snyder, you, you're, you're kind of getting lost here or, or you've lost me because you're talking about grace giving. And we all understand we live in the age of grace. And now you're talking about tithing. And, and, and Brother Snyder, you don't understand because, see, tithing is for the law. And we don't live under the law anymore. We live in the age of grace. In case maybe you've heard that before, let me just again review this. I think you're well schooled on this, but it does us good to review. I'll remind you this, to, this evening that tithing started long before the law ever came into existence. As a matter of fact, I'll take you all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Because remember, God had a tree and he said, this is my tree. It was that that he set apart for himself. And he says, this is mine. And I believe he taught Adam that principle. Why do you say that he taught Adam that principle? Well, I believe that Adam taught his son, who taught his son, who taught his son. You say, why do you believe that? Well, as you travel through the Old Testament, we come to Abraham. And remember, Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek's an interesting guy. <laughs> he's the priest of the Most High God. And maybe even more importantly, he's a type of Jesus Christ. So as he gives him that tithe, where did he get that idea from? Who told him that he's to give a tithe to the priest of the Most High God? Well, I believe his dad taught him that. Why? Because, well, his dad had taught him that all the way back to Adam. But again, as we, and by the way, I'll mention that's before the time of the law. And again, as we travel through, we come to a man named Jacob, Abraham's grandson. And remember the story we often call Jacob's Ladder. As he meets with God there, he promises God that he would give him a tithe. Now again, where did he get that idea from? Why did he make that promise? Because his grandpa taught him that God requires the tithe because it belongs to God. Now, as we travel a little further in the Old Testament, we come to the law. The law just put in black and white what God expected from the very beginning. He says very simply, the tithe is the Lord's. We understand that. That's plain and that's simple. Now, I also need to mention this. Even as we come into the New Testament, Jesus Christ himself, I believe, puts his stamp of approval on the tithe, that it continues. You remember how Jesus would kind of sugarcoat what he said to the Pharisees? You know, he said, you bunch of vipers, <laughs> you whitewashed sepulchers. He says, you tithe a mint and anise and cumin. But then he said, you omit the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy and faith. Remember that he said this, these ought you to have done. And then he said this, and not to leave the others undone. Jesus says this continues on. So the tithe is the Lord's. So this is where it all begins. Because if you in your heart, you're praying about what God would have you to do for faith, promise, missions or grace giving, but you are not yet a tither, it must start with God's tithe. Really, I can say it this way. You don't qualify to give a faith promise offering until you first give God his tithe. Now, you might be a tither, 
And that's great. But please don't take your tithe and say, well, you know, they give X amount of, of uh, this is God's tithe. And I'm just going to designate that for missions. It doesn't work that way because it's God's tithe. And we can't give God something that already belongs to him. Let me illustrate this. Pastor, do you mind if I borrow your Bible? Now, Pastor Wagner is a great guy, and I'm assuming you have a birthday. What month is your birthday? May. So we don't have a whole lot of time before his birthday gets here. So you know what? I'm starting to think about this, that, you know, most preachers I know, good preachers, a Bible would be a great gift to get for a preacher. And, you know, I'm noticing this Bible here is pretty nice. It's got some wide margins in it. It's got some good markings. I hope it's got some good outlines because I need some good outlines. So maybe I can find some in here. Um, You know, I really like the cover on this and it's, you know, it just kind of looks like Pastor Wagner. And you know what? Come come May, you know what I think I'm going to do? I think I'm going to give this to Pastor Wagner as a birthday gift. Now, can you imagine if I came to Pastor Wagner in May and said, Pastor, here's my gift to you. Happy birthday. You know, Pastor already thinks I'm a little crazy. If I did that, he would know I was completely crazy. Why? Because he would be thinking, Brother Snyder, you can't give me something that already belongs to me and say that it's your gift to me. It's the same with God's tithe. It already belongs to him. So we can't give God something that already belongs to him and say, it's our offering to you, Lord, because God will just say, hold on a second. It already belongs to me. So the tithe goes to the local church first. That's where it begins. Now, after that tithe, then we start talking about free will offerings that we give to the Lord as, if you will, our gift to him. So as you pray about and you consider what God would have you do, understand this is an offering for others. It is different than the tithe because the tithe is the Lord's. And let me hit another point here that that often people will ask me about. They say, now, Preacher, you're talking about really, you know, a lot of money here because we're talking about that 10 percent. It goes to God first. It's God's tithe. Then you're talking about missions offering. And, you know, we 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 have a lot of needs right here in our own church. There's a lot of things we we would like to do here. There's some ways that we'd like to expand our ministry. And we have a, a light bill. And I don't know about you folks, but I love air conditioning in the summertime. And I don't know about you, but I like heat in the wintertime. You know, and there's all these things that that we need to consider as a local church. Well, to that I respond in two ways. Number one, that's what God's tithe are for. God's tithe is used here in the local church to meet the needs here, to continue on with the ministry here. But also, God gives a promise to any church that will make others, that will make missions a priority. Turn with me to Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter four, just over a little bit from where you are. And I'll remind you as you turn this the, the book of Philippians, this is the church at Philippi. This is one of the churches at Macedonia. So these are people that are in a great trial of affliction. These are people that are in deep poverty. Now, as Paul writes to them, he says, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 14, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only... For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound, I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, 
a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Now, Paul is basically saying to them, despite the problems and the things that you're enduring, you have sent once and again unto my necessity. You've been a faithful supporting church. You have put others before yourself. You've made missions a priority. Now he says to them as a church, verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You know, I have heard verse 19 there applied to all kinds of different things, but keep it in its context. The context is a local church that has a missions mind, that has missions hearted, makes missions a priority despite their own needs and trusts God and says, we're going to do what God lays on our heart to do concerning this offering. And God says, I will meet your every need. And by the way, he's going to do it according to his riches in glory. He's never going to run out of riches in glory. Can I just give you a quick testimony on this? Um, I told you the second place that we were involved in Alaska was a place called Talkeetna. It, it kind of sounds like it's in the middle of nowhere, and that's because it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it's a great place, though. I wish I could kind of take all of us there tonight just for a few moments, just so you could get the feel of what Talkeetna is like. Um, when I went there, I started this church, and, well, I'm thinking, what about Faith Promise? Does, you know, is Faith Promise going to work here <laughs> in the middle of nowhere? And, and Because you have to understand, their whole lifestyle is completely different. Um, cash flow is not a big issue for them, Okay. Because, for instance, they shoot a moose. They have their meat for an entire year, for an entire family. Um, you know, the gardening there with all the daylight that you have in the summertime, there's some stuff that really grows well. Every year at the Alaska State Fair, they have a, they have a cabbage weigh-off. They weigh the, the heads of cabbage that come in, and, and the winner is always over 100 pounds for one head of cabbage. That's a lot of coleslaw, people, okay? That's pretty amazing stuff. Um, they catch the salmon, so they can the salmon. So they really have salmon all throughout the year even. So the only time they're really making any money is when the tourists come to town. They get a little spending money, if you will. And I'm thinking, Lord, is this really going to work in a place like this? Then I was reminded, wait a minute. This is not an American thing. This is a biblical thing. And so I said, we're going to do it. And within the first year of starting up Tokeaton Baptist Church, I introduced our folks to faith promise giving from 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And it was amazing what God did in our church. Now, it's a small church. It's a little place. But we made missions a priority. We had some major needs as a church. And the people, not a lot of cash. But it was amazing to see what God did. Um, it's hard to, to give you a good idea, but we probably had a, a core group of about 15 people, the greatest majority of the time we were there. Now, on a Sunday morning, we could have 30 or maybe even 40. That would be a good day. Um, but, you know, it was very interesting to me to watch what God did. With that faith promise offering that came in, we were able to support six missionary families just with that small little church. Now, we support each of those six families for $150 a piece. And I want to tell you, all of that money came from our faith promise offerings. Not a cent of it came from our general fund. Why? We needed our general fund for the ministries there. And God provided in a way that I cannot explain to you. They really, I believe, were an example of the churches at Macedonia. I watched it in front of me. But I also watched God keep his promise to our church. He said, God said, I'll meet your needs. 
Well, you know, God allowed us to build a building. The, the building that we were borrowing, they literally rolled those buildings down the road. We were able to buy that piece of property. We built phase one of a church building. And um, then we also had a little building out back. Some of you know what an outhouse is. If you don't, ask me afterwards, okay? But that was the norm there. That was nothing unusual. That's, that's what many people use that there. So we were thankful God gave us that land and gave us that building debt-free. That was amazing to me. And then a while later, God enabled us to build phase two, which was three times the size of phase one, which, praise the Lord, had running water. It was a wonderful thing. And when we built that building, we built it on a full basement. We called that full basement phase three because I figured that, hey, 15, 20, 25 years down the road, maybe that church would be able to finish phase three. You know, God allowed us to finish phase two of that building debt free once again. I have never seen anything like this before. It, this was only something God could do. And you know what? When a pastor was put in place there and we moved on to the next ministry God had for us, God enabled that church because they continued with faith promise giving. They added missionaries after I left. They finished phase three of that church building, completely finished that basement, full fellowship hall, full kitchen, prophet's chamber, all of it down that basement, debt free. And you know, they also built a parsonage out back, debt free. I'm telling you, I've never seen anything like it. It was an amazing example of what God will do for a church that will make missions a priority. He gives that promise to the church at Philippi, but that promise is not just for the church at Philippi. That's for any church that's going to say, hey, listen, we're going to make missions a priority. Now I need to hurry on. Verse number five, back in 2 Corinthians chapter eight, verse five. If there is a key verse to this passage of scripture, this is the key verse right here. Uh, Paul says, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. Can I again emphasize that, yes, we're talking about, and I'm going to say it two nights in a row, money. But that's not the emphasis of what we're talking about. Yeah, we have to talk about that, because can I remind you that the Great Commission just costs money? It's expensive. It's just part of it. But you know what? The emphasis is not on the money. Again, the emphasis is on the relationship between the one who's giving and the one who's receiving. And again, here's where it starts. We need to give ourselves to him first. Now, you know, we've been asking you, pray about what God would have you to give. If you're not a tither, start tithing. If you're already a tither and, and you're uh, looking towards giving to, to missions, what would that amount be? Well, don't even go there until you first say, Lord, I am yours. Because God doesn't need your money. God doesn't even want your money unless he has you first. And he's looking to have us. And, you know, as he says here, and this they did not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. A few things that come to my mind. Number one, I believe they gave themselves, that is, they gave their body to the Lord. And I thought about Romans 12, 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which again, Paul just says is reasonable service. Paul says that just makes sense. Are we willing to give our body to him? And by the way, if you make a commitment to give to missions, your body better be involved in that commitment. Because if God lays an amount on your heart and you're to give it, 
you know what? You may have to use your body to maybe work an odd job that you weren't planning on working to make that money, to be faithful to that commitment that you've told God that you would give, that He laid on your heart because He's the one that's going to provide that second job, that odd job that you maybe weren't planning on. You know what? Your body may like to go to a particular restaurant and go out to eat on a regular basis. You know what? You might have to give that up for a little while. If God's laid a commitment on your heart, how serious are you? Are you willing to put your body on that altar before the Lord, a living sacrifice, and say, you know what, that's all secondary. My primary thing is to obey the Lord. And He said, I'm to give. Are we going to do what God's asked us to do? So we need to give Him our body, but also, let me mention this, we need to give Him our mind. Look down at verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 8. He says, for if there be first a willing mind, a willing mind, we need to give Him our minds. You know, I quoted Romans chapter 12, verse 1, but let me read for you verse number two. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And again, that's what we're asking you to pray about. What is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God concerning what you are to give and what you are to do in response to the Great Commission? So let's be practical. When we talk about using our mind, giving Him our mind, involving our mind in what we're to give, I want to mention a couple of things. Number one, we need to have the right mindset towards what we're talking about here. And that kind of goes back to last night. How do we view a missions offering? Is it something, well, yeah, Brother Snyder's here. It's missions conference, so I guess I got to give. Or is it, oh, man, it's missions conference and but we have an opportunity to show our love to God and to be involved in giving to missions. But also, here's something else really practical. Use your mind as you consider what God would have you give. You say, what do you mean? I'm saying this, think it through. Let me put it in more biblical terms. Count the cost. Okay? You know, there are those who teach and preach faith promise and they'll say, listen, just just, you know, commit to giving whatever it is. And boy, God's going to supply it, whatever it is. Just you know, come up with some sort of figure. You know what? That's just an emotional gimmick. This should not be based on emotion. Use your mind. You might have to go home and break out the family budget and sharpen the pencil a little bit and say, OK, now, where are we? Let's think this through. Let's count the cost. Use your mind. Give him your mind. Renew your mind so that you can understand what God would have you to do. But now in the same breath that I say use your mind, I also want to add this third one. Your heart needs to be given to him as well. Look over just a little bit there in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse number 7. Every man according as he purposeth where? In his heart. In his heart let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. You know, I think about what Jeremiah said. He said, mine eye affecteth mine heart. And I would ask you the question, has your heart been affected this week? As I watch these presentations that we've had thus far, you know, I see presentations all the time. I mean, on a regular basis for the last 16 years. But as I watch them, I'm like, Lord, if you want me to go, I'm ready. Because I see the need in these places. As I watched that one tonight, I've not been to the particular place that we saw tonight, but there are a lot of other places that look exactly like that place. And boy, my memory went back to some of those places that we visited, and I saw some of those people in some of those places that 
had we, that is, the missionaries that were there, had they not gone, those folks would have probably never heard the gospel in their lifetime because we were in the middle of nowhere. You know what? When we see pictures like that and we hear of needs like that and our mind's eye sees the need that's around the world, it should affect our heart. So it's not just a, well, let's get the pencil out and whatever we can fit into the budget. No, you look at your budget, you count the cost, and then you use your heart and you say, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. And you do that while you lay your body out on that altar, a living sacrifice, and say, God, whatever it is you want. Why? Because we need to follow the example of the churches at Macedonia who gave themselves first unto the Lord. Their body, their mind, and their heart. And notice as we finish up with this verse, the end of verse number four, he says, uh, or excuse me, the end of verse number five, and he says, and unto us by the will of God. This they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You know, I know that we don't have apostles anymore in our day and time, but you know, I, I, I can definitely see a great application here to church leadership and the church, if you will, banding together to say, listen, as a church, in the direction of our under-shepherd, under the ultimate direction, direction of the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, we're going to do what God commands us to do. And joining together, it's amazing if each one individually does what God wants you to do, it's amazing what God will do corporately through this place. And, you know, I, I could ask the question, I guess I, I need to ask the question, have you given yourself first to him? You say, preacher, I did that many years ago. I don't know about you. I have to do it just about every morning and then maybe several times throughout the day. <laughs> have we given ourselves completely to him? Sometimes, yeah, I've given myself completely, but we really don't stop to think, what does that really mean? As you consider that question, let me read a story to you that I think kind of puts this into perspective for us. One Christmas in West Africa, a missionary asked the African girls to bring an offering for Jesus. Each brought some little thing, a flower or some toy she had been given by passing traders. But one girl with deep set eyes and a face transfigured handed the missionary a little bundle. When he opened it, he discovered the equivalent of 85 cents. For a poor girl in West Africa at that time, it was a small fortune. The missionary called the girl over. My child, he asked, how could you do this? Jesus gave himself for me, she replied, and I thought I would give myself for him. I sold myself for the rest of my life to a planter. I gave him the right to use me in his field at the hardest toil, and he gave me 85 cents and let me have this one day so that I could bring the money to you. The missionary was overwhelmed. Sixty years of drudgery, of unrequited toil in the burning fields of Africa with no freedom. The girl might never love anyone for herself or have anything of her own. Her whole life was mortgaged to a planter so that she might have 85 cents to give to Jesus Christ. Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not asking you to give your last 85 cents to Jesus. 
But I'm asking you and I'm challenging myself to give everything that Jesus asked us to give. I don't know what that's going to be. I mentioned on Sunday, for each and every one of us in here, financially, we're all different places, but God knows right where we are. And so when God asks us to do something, it's not going to be beyond what we can do in His power, provided we have given Him ourselves first. So last night, I asked you to take one word home with you. It was the word attitude. And I ask you to meditate on that word and pray about it and think about it. Tonight, I want to send you home with another word. And I want you to meditate on this word and I want you to think about it. And the word is this, availability. Would you just say to God, God, I'm making myself available to you to use me however you see fit, to go wherever you tell me to go, to pray about missions in whatever way you ask me to pray about missions to give to missions, whatever it is you ask me to give to missions. What about our availability? Are we willing to follow the example of the churches at Macedonia to give ourselves first to the Lord?